BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. All right, you ready? Let's go. From Fox 4 News in Kansas City. Are we rolling? Are we on? Hello. I'm Nick Vassos. (laughs) This is Signal Hill. He's been covering Kansas City weather for nearly 25 years, and it'd be really hard to find a person more passionate passionate (laughs) about covering weather, that's for sure. Uh, Whether it's on your television, writing a blog, out in the public educating children about severe weather, or collaborating with our local National Weather Service folks. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, the one, the only meteorologist Joe Loria joins us on Signal Hill. I'm going to need to give you 10% of my paycheck. That was one heck of an intro. I like that. And I came came up with it all myself. that's pretty darn good. You know, Joe, I think you're going to like this podcast thing here because... There's no time constraints, and we know you can go forever. (laughs) I feel so bad for our producers sometimes because there's little Joe just off on one of his little tangents talking about whatever, hurricane this, a tornado that, or... Or whatever the case New graphic. They're like, Joe, rap, rap, Joe, rap, rap, Joe. Get to the Log Ranger, Joe. Or or the other thing is, well, Joe, we lost a live shot. We're going to need you to fill three minutes. See that? And that's that's why... I, I just, I just, okay, I'll tell a story or, or two or, or three, whatever, whatever they all need me to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I, I just, I just love it. It's yeah. just, ah, I just think it's so cool. Well, we have some breaking news yes. here. Uh, we have, of course, we now at Fox where we have Signal Hill, which is what you're listening to right now. Uh, we also have Crime Files and that's hosted by Megan Diller, but we're also going to have a brand new podcast and it involves you. Tell yeah. us about it. So this is what I, I, I've been thinking about this now for the last couple of months, and it's kind of like a a outgrowth of my weather blog, mm-hmm. which I kind of do almost every day, where we just kind of dive into the world of weather. And it's stuff that I can't talk about on the air because it's too complicated. And and maybe somebody needs to, you know, read something to, oh, that makes sense now. Whereas in a, a two-minute or three-minute weather cast, you just don't have time to dive into it. Okay, so uh, that the the blog stuff lives on on its own, and then on Fridays about uh, four or five months ago, we started doing this thing called Joe's Weather World, where we take a, a kind of a deep dive into the world of weather, come up with weird statistics, and try to get uh, you know Kim Mark yourself. Entertain, do some <laughs> demos, do try to bring the weather home, as I like to say, and uh, so that that's been a lot of fun. And then, so the next step from there is like, what what, what else do we do? And God knows, I could talk. So I'm <laughs> like, you know what, we ought to do. We ought to try to podcast. So we're gonna do, I think, a podcast where uh, it's kind of a combination of Joe's Weather World, the Weather Blog. We'll occasionally have a guest or two come in, talk about uh, weather communications, emergency management. Um, and I, I don't 
know where it's going to go. Mm-hmm. Totally. Who, who would be on? Stories. Who's on your list? If you if you have an initial list in your mind of some folks you would like to talk to and have people listen to them, who, you, who do you, you have? Know, as I ideas? think what I'd like to do. Uh, one of the first people, and, and she doesn't even know it yet. She doesn't even know I'm doing a podcast. I don't <laughs> think yet. Is I want to talk to Carly. And uh, one of the things, if she's comfortable enough talking about it, is that I want to talk to Carly about uh, one of the things that I admire so much about her is, uh, A, how far she's come since she got here. She's come so far. And B, I think the, the fortitude that she showed after everything that happened about whatever five six years ago, mm-hmm. and when with she Don. took over with Don, when yep. she took over that morning show, that's tough. Uh, I think it was a very difficult position for her to be in, and she has blossomed. And so I want to talk to her a little bit about that. She has no clue. Poor <laughs> thing. <laughs> no clue. <laughs> what I'm going to talk to her about. Uh, so I'll probably do that maybe sometime during the month of October. Um, I've got an emergency manager or two that I want to bring in and talk about. Uh, the role that they play within our community, and uh, just other, maybe uh, one of the two of the folks from the Weather Service talking about the challenges that they face um, and the challenges that we face in the TV world. So it'll be kind of geeky. It won't be geeky. It'll just be kind of weathery. Well, sure. One of the things that you do that I, that I enjoy about your your weather updates is that you provide a lot of context, and and so and it, and it might be a national story. You know, you and our other meteorologist, Carly, Mike, uh, uh, who Michelle. and Michelle. Gosh, she's been in Australia. I'm sorry, <laughs> she's, she's been, been gone, gone for two weeks. weeks. <laughs> <laughs> I checked our locker. Yep, she's still got a locker here. <laughs> she's still here. We've been getting, we've been getting uh, notices on uh, Facebook. Anyway, uh, for example. What's in the news uh, right now at this recording is uh, Hurricane Florence. And, you know, you guys, uh, you know, you show the rotation, you show the radar, but you did something completely different with Florence. And I think it gave some context and brought it home to Kansas City. So, you know, we talk about how much rain, 20, 30, 35, 40 inches of rain from these storms. And we saw it last year with Hurricane Harvey that uh, when Harvey stalled, essentially, and just kept pouring down rain on Houston, uh, eastern Texas, southwestern Louisiana, southern Louisiana. I think I saw a stat that it cranked out uh, close to 30 trillion gallons of water. And we can't even... Can't get your head around that. Can't get your head around something like that. Uh, So I saw a stat uh, the other day that Florence, we think, um, is going to crank out 17 trillion gallons of water. I was like, I, I can't picture that. So uh, I had this weird idea. I was like, how do we bring this home? And so I was like, huh, well, I wonder how much water is in Smithville Lake. So I went up there with my gallon jug. And, <laughs> um, so we, I, I was on uh, the wiki page for Smithville Lake. It's right. Got a, it's got its own wiki page. <laughs> and it was talking about Smithville Lake contains whatever blank number of acre feet of water. I didn't even know what an acre foot of water. Never heard of that. Was. Either. It's got like thousands of them. So then I had to figure out, well, how many gallons is in an acre foot of water? And it's like 300,000 something 
or 286,000. I've got the numbers written down in the other room. And all right, so let's multiply that by how many acres, and you get this huge number of gallons of water in Smithville Lake, something like 83 billion <laughs> gallons of water. But we're talking trillions with Florence. So you take 83, or you take 17 trillion, you divide it by 83 billion, <laughs> and you come up with something like 212. And that's how many times you could fill up Smithville Lake with, with the water coming from Florence, 212 times. You can see Smithville Lake. You, you have can some, kind of picture you, yeah. it, right? Uh, and then uh, the weirdest part about it, and, you know, I'm into my math and my stats and everything, but these were numbers, billions, <laughs> trillions, beyond me. So I put out an all-page at the station. <laughs> and I was like, hey, if there's anybody here good at math, come down here and double-check my numbers. And crickets. Nobody at the freaking station wanted any part of doing Cindy, one of our producers, calls me up and says, well, if, if you can't figure it out, sure as heck, nobody else up here is going to figure it out. So finally, a few people trickle, trickled in. We had Linda Wager on the text with her son or brother or whatever who's an economist. We were throwing numbers. Anyway, so the math checked out. So uh, 212 Smithville Lakes. Uh, then we were like, well, what about Lake of the Ozarks? And it would be uh, about 27 times Lake of the Ozarks. God, that's a I mean, lot Lake of, of water. Lake of the Ozarks is huge. Yes. Right? We all know that. And then there's Longview Lake. Little Longview Lake, which is beautiful. Golf course. Love it. Yeah. Picturesque. And to fill that baby up, uh, it would be uh, two and a half million times for Longview Lake. Oh, my. All the water in Longview Lake times two and a half million. Oh, my gosh. That's how much water is coming down. And I just love that stuff. Wow. I just love figuring it out uh, and, and trying to bring that home uh, to the viewer. And hopefully that's like, oh, dang, that's a lot of rain. So we're just watching this whole thing gradually unfold. Uh, it's a sad thing, and this is now the second, the second storm back-to-back. -back. Last year, Harvey. This year, Florence, where the steering currents just... And the thing is just stuck there. And it's going to rain itself out here for the next couple of days. It's Man. A bad situation now. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that's definitely an addition of what your weather app can't tell you. So Where did you come up with that? that it's... it's one of the things that are, it's a good thing and it's a bad thing, and this will probably be the last podcast because I'm going to get fired, um, <laughs> is every so often, and actually we're not that bad with it. Other stations are a lot worse. Uh, you know, you have the consultants come in. Mm -hmm. and they're like, hey, here are some ideas. And so one of the things that they told us a few years ago uh, was that um, – you know, we need to think of new ways of doing weather that uh, people can't get off their phones. Because I think, in my mind, in, in Joe's weather world, our competition is not my colleagues at the other station. My competition is the dang phone. 
Everybody looks at their phone first thing in the morning. Yep. They've got their weather apps built in. Maybe they've got our app. Maybe they've got the Weather Channel's app. I don't know what app they've got. But they're looking at it. And they're, they're relying on it to a, to a large extent. And so when they were talking to us, it, it was I, I kind of festered on that for a while. And I thought to myself, we need to do a better job as a, as a group, not only us here at the station, as a profession, I think. We need to do a better job to tell people what their weather app can't tell them. Give them, give them some information that they can't find when they are just looking at the temperatures in their weather app. And I was like, well, why don't we just create a segment what your weather app can't tell you? And it started, and I do it virtually every single weathercast, and I've got people now repeating it to me on the street. And that's when I know I'm kind of onto something. So I've been doing it now, I think, for a couple of years, and I just love it. it just, it's basically branding something that I was already doing. You know, if I wanted to talk about, hey, it's been our third warmest September, whatever. Well, now you're spinning it around with a little introduction. I was going to do the information anyway, mm-hmm. but now there's a little introduction to it. And it's just a matter of branding something different. So uh, I've gone to a couple of conferences this year. And I talked to my colleagues in other parts of the country. And they're like, holy moly, we love this. <laughs> so it's now spread to Phoenix. It's spreading uh, Little Rock. It's spreading to all these other cities in the country. Oh, my what gosh. your weather app can't tell you. Imitation, the highest form of flattery. Hey, you want to steal it? All yeah. I ask is 10%. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be just fine. Uh, but... It, People see it and they're like, now there you go. Yeah. There's well, an idea. And you know, another example of that, and I think you're going to dust this off once we get into uh, December and January and February, is the, uh, and, I, and of course the name escapes me now, but it's the snow prediction something meter for the week. It gives yeah. people like a, a heads up, a, a quick look ahead if you're going to get any snow. So it's just a simple way, uh, I think we've done it in the past, where uh what are the chances of the KC Metro getting one inch or more of snow over the next five days? And <laughs> I'm a snow freak. I love snow. And sadly, <laughs> these three years, <laughs> these past three winters, <laughs> I've got my head in the sand. <laughs> it's so depressing. There's just been no snow. Buckus. Yeah, buckus. <laughs> It's been brutal. If you're a snow lover, this has just been torture. Um, so yeah, so we're gonna we're gonna bring that back out uh, and uh, talk more about that once we get into winter, assuming we ever get uh, lucky enough to get snow. <laughs> is now from from your standpoint, is snow the hardest to predict? Is it the most challenging weather event to try to yeah get it? tied down i think so um you know when remember those winters what was it five years ago when we were getting we were getting hit yeah I just nailed every single snowstorm and those all were very um dare, dare i say knock on wood very simple to pre- i don't want to say simple very uh 
very good to predict because the data was convincing. It, the data was overwhelming two or three days ahead of time, and it, it, rare, it didn't waver. And so it gave us high confidence. Hey, this storm is going to do thunder snow. We could get 6 to 12 inches or 12 to 18 inches back in the day. Um, and boom, it happened every single time. We didn't miss one. And it's a great, for, from our profession, that's what we're there for. That, you know, it worked out perfectly. It's the stupid storms that, well, if the storm goes 25 miles south, or if it goes 50 miles north, or if it's 33 and not 31, or and it, it, there are just so many different balls to juggle. And we get all this great information uh, from temperatures on the ground, here on the ground, but you go 1,000 or 2,000 or 3,000 or 5,000 feet up, and we get temperature information up there twice a day. 7 a.m. or 6 a.m. and 6 p.m. And that's it. That's it. Twice a day. So what happens in between those chunks of time? We don't know. <laughs> so when things are like, it's going to snow, it may mix with rain, and we're going to get four inches, and it turns out to be snow for an hour, and then it mixes with rain, and we get zero inches, mm -hmm. it's, it's very, very, very frustrating. And uh, people... I think people are starting to understand a little bit more about that, but um, it's very challenging. And then when you have the storms that, you know, St. Joe, you'll get zero. Harrisonville, you'll get 15. So, yeah, go on the air and say zero to 15 inches. No, you can't, you <laughs> you can't, can't do, do that. that. No. I'd like to do that. I know. You Better can't. be wrong. Um, but you can't do that. So you try to be precise, and that's where it usually – blows up in your face one way or another. So, Fox War Meteorologist Joe Laurie is our guest on Signal Hill. Look for his new podcast. By the way, if you got a, a th thinking about a name for your new podcast? I want to call it um, Joe's Weather World to kind of continue the theme from uh, Fridays. Uh, they're, they're mulling something upstairs. Oh, okay. That may be right. Joe's something, but I'm not, I'm not sure if it's going to be Joe's Weather World, but that would be my preference. Look for it on the podcast page. It'll be up there soon, and Joe's going to have some great guests. Let's talk about technology. Has Since you're coming up on your 25th year of covering weather in Kansas City, I know technology was much different back oh, then when you started to where you are now. How much has technology helped you refine your forecast? When I started here, and so I'm dating myself here at least, uh, when I started here, we didn't have the Internet. Oh, so my goodness. We were relying on uh, this big, uh, it was a, a UPI, uh, United Press International, big old behemoth of a machine to give us uh, a satellite picture. And we used to dial a code, and we would get a new satellite picture. It was actually pretty cool back in the day. Uh, and then we had this, it was probably about a two-foot-wide uh, machine called DieFax, and it printed and it was almost like a fax machine except uh, it was connected to a satellite satellite was sending us down these weather maps and there were like one or two computer models that came in twice per day uh, along with some other stuff and we used that information to put together a forecast and now when we with the internet at our fingertips at everybody's fingertips i mean they Folks at home can look at the exact same stuff we look at 
Some of the stuff is very easy to figure out. And now we have this overwhelming, almost too much data where you're looking at 20, 30 models and you're looking at the average of all these models that we call an ensemble. And you're trying to figure out, is that model right? Is that other model right? Is this model doing poorly? Is this other model doing poorly? And somehow with all of that, you try to put together a forecast. And it's just been, it's great. I'm a, I'm a data fiend. I love info. I love information. So, um, but there's always something to look at. And it drives my wife crazy. You know, I, because now with the smartphones, I can look at the exact same stuff on my phone as I can on the computer. Yep. And now, uh, in a weird negative way, I never step away. And like the other day with this hurricane coming in, I could have sat there and looked at satellite pictures for four hours and just been happy as a little lark. And I was like, I can't do that. I got to get away. So I went out to play golf. And I just forced myself, I have to get out of there. <laughs> get away from the computer, Joe. Get away from the darn computer. Um, so it, it's just something weird that's inside of me. Yeah. You have used uh, the new technology out there, where, where, and you offer it to people in your blog. And I think one of the neatest things, and you, you may have been doing this uh, for a while already, but I just learned about it, on your latest blog with regard to Hurricane Florence, the data that people were looking at on your weather blog was live, no matter when cool? they looked at it. How, how do you do that? So one of our, uh, our blog format is uh, with the station. I think it's called WordPress or something. And you could embed images. And thank goodness they make this data embeddable so that it automatically constantly updates. So when, when somebody clicks on the blog and they scroll down and they see a new position for a tropical storm or a hurricane, or they see a radar that I like to show from Pleasant Hill, direct radar from the, from the actual source, um, it is constantly updating automatically so that the blog is something that's kind of like a living organism in a weird way. And it, it just it provides, no matter what time you look at it, new information. Uh, maybe the text, the stuff that I wrote is old, mm-hmm. uh, but at least the information that you're visually seeing in terms of computer models that I like to show or whatever, especially once we get into the winter, it's all brand. It's all the latest stuff. It's the information that we're looking at to put together a forecast. I would encourage uh, all of the listeners uh, to this podcast, if you haven't gone and read Joe's blog and you're interested about what the weather is going to be doing over the next couple of days or trends or or whatever it may be, go check it out, fox4kc.com, click on the weather tab, and you can't miss it. Yeah, it really is. It's it's my outlet. Um, (laughs) It's it's my way of of preventing myself from going to a psychologist and sitting on a couch for an hour. You got to get it out. I got to get it out of my system. Got to get it out. Got to get it out. Uh, So I'm saving thousands of dollars by doing this stuff. Uh, But the the thing that I love about it is I could, I love to write and, you know, I get wordy. Some of those blogs are 1500 words. I mean, they're term papers. And how many words do you think you've written? You know, it's funny because a while back, and I forget how many, the stat that I came up with, leave it to me to come up with the stat. Um, <laughs> but I figured that I, was, I have been blogging for about 20 years, 
And let's just say I do 250 blogs a year and times 20, let's just say each blog on average is about a thousand words. So I came up with some huge, ridiculous number. And just like this, this stupid trillion gallons of things, I'm like, all right, well, there's a big number. Now what do I do with that? Oh, I wonder how many words are in the Bible. So, I, 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 how many words are in the Bible? And it comes up with some crazy number. And I was like, well, I've written 40 Bibles worth of weather blogs. I was like, you know, for goodness sake, Joe, step away from the computer. Uh, so anyway, there's a whole, it's long, it's a lot. Uh, but there are so many casual weather, I call them weather geeks, weather mm-hmm. junkies out there. That I've I've talked to through the year. Oh, I took one class in college. Oh, did I love my media, that meteorology? I wish I could have done something like that. Or and the math and the physics. Um, but they, they they love weather. They love looking at the weather. They love storms. They love clouds. And uh, you can't you can't talk for thirty seconds to a farmer, you know, without the farmer talking about the weather for about five minutes to you. And it's just a great outlet for them to learn more, uh, for me to get some ideas out there, for me to bring up some things that are perhaps controversial in our little weather world to share them with folks. Um, so it's just different. It's just a different way. It's long. They're long. They probably could be more concise, but you know what? What it's your world. It's, it's, my, it's, Joe's it's Joe's weather. weather. It's Joe's weather world where every snowstorm is perfectly predicted. You get all the sunshine you want. Every day, seventy-five degrees. It's Joe's perfect weather world. Hey, it's fantasy let, land. Well, let's 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 uh, let's find out where all of this passion came from. What sparked Joe Loria's interest in weather? Where did this come from? Uh. That's a good question. My mom will tell you that I was born uh, in a raging rainstorm. And uh, for me, I think I kind of got really the weather bug uh, definitely in the third grade. And I don't know why. It was snowstorms. I know it was snowstorms because I was fascinated by snow. Growing up back east, we used to have big snowstorms. Where's home for you? Uh, New York. Southern New York, just north of the city. And so whenever we would have snowstorms, obviously it would cancel school. I thought that was the greatest, you know, just like every kid. Yeah. I thought that was a great, my parents hated it, but I thought that was the greatest thing in the world. And I remember distinctly when I was a little kid, and just to show you how things changed, we would, the only way we would know that school was canceled was by listening to the radio. And they would go through the whole list and eventually get to my school district and that's brutal radio by the and, way and, right you start at a you get down to n or m or whatever like oh for the love of god it's been an hour come on and they which and if they didn't say you're oh that was i sat here for an hour listening and they skipped right over us but um that's what dark snow started it and uh, a buddy of mine he works at He's still chief meteorologist at Fox 5 in, in New York City, Nick Gregory. He grew up in my backyard, right? The house next to me in, off my backyard. And he was really into weather, especially hurricanes. 
And so he got me more weathery, and <laughs> we would love tracking hurricanes. And so we'll, when we were kids, I remember we little pimply high school kids, and we would call <laughs> one of the TV stations. Uh, I forget which one. Anyway, it was, it was Frank Fields. We would call Frank Fields at the NBC station in New York City, and we would call virtually every six hours. Hey, can you give us the latest position on Hurricane Whatever? And we would put it on our little map, our little map, and and we would get all a little kid geeked out on that, and then we'd call him again six hours later. Hey, can you give us the latest position? And thank God he was so nice; he was always okay with it. Although there were a lot of times he didn't answer the phone. Anyway, <laughs> before caller ID. Right. Thank goodness for that. Otherwise, that never would have He happened. sensed it was yeah. you two again. <laughs> exactly. Like, oh, for the love of God, it's the kids from Nourishell calling. <laughs> so uh, we just kind of got into it. And he went on to Linden State up in Vermont. And uh, he's been at Fox 5 in, in New York City for decades. And you're, if you're a chief meteorologist and you're in New York City and you've lasted for decades, wow, that's phenomenal for yeah. New York City. Um, so uh, I haven't seen him in years. And we've occasionally uh, tweeted or Instagrammed. But uh, he grew up in my backyard. So we kind of got both into weather. So two meteorologists within 100 feet of each other in our hometown. God, that is a weird. That is, it is weird, but it's a really neat story. And for weather people, typically I ran into a guy last night at the ball game. He was with the Air Force and he was a weather observer for the Air Force. And he would be sent to all these different Air Force locations, uh, served in Desert Storm, and he was the weather observer meteorologist. um, And he, for him, he said he got into it when he was three years old, for whatever reason, something really young, that he just got fascinated by the weather. And usually it's a big event. When Ruskin Heights, the tornado occurred, mm-hmm. three meteorologists were developed. Oh, in wow. A, in a weird way. They were kids. Yep. They lived through it. They, they remember it, everything distinctly about it. And Do you know who they are? Uh, Mike Smith is one. Okay. Who's down in Wichita. And there were two others. And I forget their names, but I've run into them. And, oh, yeah, I was a little kid in, Rus- in Grandview or whatever. And it started my passion. Gosh, that's amazing. So, it, And for weather people, we're such a weird, odd lot that uh, a lot of us have either it's a tornado. For me, it was snow. But uh, there's a weather event that we recall that set us on our path. So you're a, you're a kid in grade school. You knew that's what you wanted to do. You, you've gone through junior high. You're, you're, you're in high school now, and uh, you obviously still have the, the weather bug inside of you. Uh, when did you know? Or was there a moment that you knew, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be a meteorologist. When did that decision come, and where would you go? The meteorologist part came early, so I knew um, in high school this is it. So let's go to a school that's focused on meteorology, and I went uh, to St. Louis. The trick was the television. Uh, Back then, St. Louis had no TV program. They had a good meteorology program, but nothing with TV. We had, like, (laughs) this 
radio campus radio station, KBIL, for the Billikens. And was, uh, the antenna was like a hangar at the tallest building on one of the school dorms. And it, I think it had a, a radius of 50 feet or something like that. And I would do weather. I would read my little, my little sheet. And, uh, but I had no idea about television. And graduate, or we were coming, getting ready to graduate. It was mid eighties, and like, well, I'm graduating now. What? No, I didn't. Couldn't get a job. I didn't even know how to go about getting a job. I couldn't send out tapes because we didn't have a TV studio to send out tapes, you know, from. And in the, it's a small world department. Another. Uh, friend of mine who is at SLU, Brian Busby. Uh, yes, meteorologist right here in Kansas City, longtime meteorologist. And in the small world department, we were roommates in senior year. Oh, is that right? You and Busby were roommates. So Busby, Brian, is working, uh, I mean, things clicked for him, and he's working at a station in St. Louis in college doing weekend weather. And doing a very good job. And so he heard about this little station in southern Illinois, Mount Vernon, Illinois. Actually, the station was in Kell, Illinois, population 800. Nick, double wide trailer. <laughs> Literally. That eight. was the station? That was, it was out in the middle of a cornfield. And, well, it rotated to soybeans every other year. <laughs> and that, it was... WCEE-TV, Channel 13. And sure as heck, they were looking for somebody to do weather for their 9 p.m. nightly newscast. Here. 75 miles away from St. Louis. And so I, I drove out there, and we interviewed, and they're like, yes, job is yours. You're going to get $200 a week, and this is a month before graduation, and you need to start now. Okay, so a month before graduation, I'm driving back and forth 75 miles each way, and I'm doing weather with no information. They had nothing, nothing. I would get my information from St. Louis. We had a little that little fax machine. Yes. And I was like, please don't change because <laughs> I'm driving to Illinois, and that's all my information right there. And uh, sure enough, we, we, I started there. And I had no idea what the heck I was doing. I was terrible. I was, I was bad. I talked way fast. I was I'm in New York. I talked fast. Mm -hmm. And my hands were moving all over the place because I'm Italian. Mm -hmm. And I talk with my hands. And it got so bad, I was, it looked like I was landing planes on an aircraft carrier. <laughs> it was not good. So I calmed down. You get more experience a couple of years later. And it was it was a great. This was 1984, and it was just we didn't have the green screen, so we just had maps that I would draw magic markers. And a buddy of mine in college, Tim, he um, he had he was an artist of sorts, and I gave him a bunch of construction paper. He made little weather symbols for me. <laughs> <laughs> it's like kids playing weather at home, and so that's how. The whole thing started. And then the family is back when families used to own TV stations. That family uh, sold it, moved down to Florida, 
They were like, Jill, come down to Florida. I was like, okay, I'll do that. And moved to Florida for a few years. And they were having all sorts of problems financially. It worked okay for a while. And then um, I heard about this job in West Texas from a buddy of mine, my best man at my wedding. And he's like, just send something out for us. You know, just they live out in the middle of nowhere, West Texas. Like, I don't want to go to West Texas. It's dry. It's dusty. There's no weather of fun to talk about except for maybe some storms. And um, he's like, just do it for us. And sure enough, they say, why don't you come out here for an interview? So I go out there, and I, they offer me the job. I said no. And I got back to the station in Florida, and, and they're still having issues. Like, you know, don't cash that paycheck for a couple of more days. Oh, my. Yeah, those were the issues they were having. Oh, wow. So Texas calls me back up and says, here's a couple of extra $1,000. Will you take the job? And I said yes. I gave my notice at the station in Florida. And one hour later, they closed down the whole news department. Holy cow. What fortuitous timing. I'd like to think that they closed down the whole darn news department because I was leaving. (laughs) They're like, well, Joe's leaving. That's it. (laughs) We can't possibly go on anymore. (laughs) We're losing our favorite meteorologist. (laughs) But they were having so many problems. So moved out to West Texas, stayed there five years. I did everything I could do out there. I loved it out there. It was kind of desolate. It was during the oil bust of the late 80s. But uh, it was cheap to live there for sure. And then Kansas City called, and 25 years, or almost 25 years later, here we are trying to come up with podcasts. Well, why have you why have you been here so long? What what is it about Kansas City that you that you enjoy? I know you you, you settled here, yeah, but well, uh, I'm sure you've had opportunities to go elsewhere. I when I got here, I thought eh, five years. I want to move back to St. Louis. Mm-hmm. I want to get back to St. Louis. I love St. Louis. Um, and oh, one thing led to another around here, and I'm not the only one. You kind of get here, and you kind of get ingrained in the community, and you realize you know what? Half hour to work. 45 minutes in rush hour, that ain't bad. And we've got, you know, professional teams. We've got the Royals. It was a a good mid-sized city. And I've seen so many cases in the past where the grass always looks greener. And, And people go, and then all of a sudden it blows up in their face, and they're out of a job for a couple of years. And God knows why, but, you know, this place has been kind enough over the years to me, very kind. And sometimes it's okay to be, if you're happy in a spot, it's okay. One of the things I noticed when I started working here at Fox 4, there's a, there's a, a picture that has um, uh, faces of all of us that have worked here for more than, more than 10 years. And one of the first things I noticed when I, when I would walk down the hall, I took a look at the board when I first got here. And, I and looked, when was that? Uh, this was in uh, 2002. And uh, I look at the board, and I'm looking, I'm looking, one, two, three, there's about a, there's like 15 people who have been here for 30 years. Go down one, what, there's about 15 people that have been here for like 20 years. A little further, there's, I mean, there are dozens and dozens of people who have come here and have stayed here. And I thought to myself, well, if there's so many people here that have come and stayed, there must be something there's going on. There's got to be a reason. There's got to be a reason. Right. And uh, I think... 
we are the weirdest station. I think we we are just so weird. We have been uh, it's kind of inside baseball. We we've been sold, bought, and sold yep. so many times. I, I, I know, five, six times, whatever, since I've been here. Uh, and our colleagues at the other station have not gone through anything like that. And yet, despite all of that, we have been successful, which is, it's a recipe for being not successful, Mm -hmm. but we've been so successful. And part of the reason why is we've got such a great base. We've got these people who have been here forever. And that when these new companies come in and our benefits change and this changes and that changes, but they don't change the people in charge typically. And so you have stability up top. And that stability up top trickles down to the main people that our viewers see. And I think that's, that's a key. Doing weekend weather for 20, almost 25 years, that's never been done in Kansas City before. I don't know if that's the greatest thing in the whole wide world <laughs> or the worst thing in the whole wide world. I'm taking it as the greatest thing in the whole wide world. You ask you, anybody who asks you, say, well, Joe, you've been on the weekends for so long. Don't you want to be, uh, you know, like on the mornings or maybe on the evenings? And you say? I say uh, definitely not the mornings. I am not. <laughs> Forget that getting up at 2 o'clock in the morning. Oh, my gosh. Uh, I grew up back east. I was up until 1 a.m. watching Johnny Carson. I go to bed at 1 a.m. In the, in the morning. Um, I don't know if I would ever want to do that uh, the evening. I, 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 I've got this weird little niche carved out for me, niche carved out for me right now. I do like getting three days off during the week. Mm-hmm. That's, a, that's a nice little pop. Um, and the station just has been, like I mentioned, so kind to me over the years. They just give me enough freedom to get my geek on if i need to work 70 hours in a week bring it on and then we'll figure it out from there and so it just it just seems to work out and there's nothing wrong with that yeah nothing wrong with that and people get to see it weekends they get to see it during the week too it seems like you know, there are so many interchangeable parts with so many people yeah. who have been here for so long that, you know, there's... With the vacation. Yeah. Well, you know, oh, my god. Mike gosh. gets so much vacation, and Carly gets so much vacation, and I get so much vacation, and Michelle gets so much vacation. That's a trick. It's a trick to juggle for, with all these newscasts. And so somehow we pull it off, and in the weirdest of ways, it's probably not the word, phrase I should use about it, but I kind of enjoy... The unpredictability sometimes of mm-hmm. my schedule. Joe, I need you to work tomorrow. Okay. <laughs> it's all good for me. Uh, if it's good by you, it's good for me. And I, I kind of like the spur of the moment. Okay, I'll change it. It's no big deal. Um, so it just kind of works. And that's, that's, that's all you could ask for. All you could ask for. All right. <clears throat> uh, as, uh, if anybody has watched one of your weather casts, uh, you do a great uh, service to the community out there for uh, charitable events. Joe's, uh, what, it's, it's Joe's golf, Joe's golf tournament. Joe's golf tournaments, yes. and you mention as many as you possibly can. You give them some love on the air, um, and you obviously are a golfer. You and I have been out mm-hmm. several times playing golf. Love to play golf with you, um, and that involves the weather, of course. So, question is. Where does Joe go to find the best weather? Like, what time of season? Where do you like to go to enjoy the best weather you can get? 
Ooh. Uh, so my yearly trip is out to Arizona. Uh, my mom lives out there. Uh, of course, I go out in July. I, <laughs> that's not good. Joe, time out. Wait, what the heck did I just do? We, <laughs> 115 degrees. Exactly. Yeah, let's go play golf. Uh, but as I've told so many people, um, I will take 110 degrees out there playing golf. Over 90 degrees here, mm-hmm. playing golf with the humidity, oh. any day of the week. It is just, uh, it's a lot more, all you have to do is drink water. I mean, you don't sweat mm-hmm. um, because it just evaporates off you. Just remember, drink that water. Uh, but it, I, that's my yearly three or four days of uh, playing different courses out in Arizona and when it's 110 degrees outside, nobody plays golf. So the courses that are $300 during the winter are $30 during the summer. So you're playing these high-end golf courses, which draw, you know, both of us are geeks about that. Oh, yeah. Um, they're nice. And you're, you're paying pennies on the dollar to play them, and they're just happy to see anybody. <laughs> you know? they're, they're just thrilled to death. <laughs> Cart girls do flips for you when they're driving because nobody's usually out there when it's 110 degrees. Um, so that's my yearly trip. And my wife's family is from northern Michigan, and we'll get up there every other year. Um, I'll try to play a little golf up there, too. And that's another very nice area for golf. Yeah. Very nice area. Joe, I, I feel like we've just uh, scratched the surface, but I, I'm confident that you're going to do just fine on your new podcast. It's just going to be me talking. <laughs> I don't know how much time we just filled. <laughs> I, I think we did 45 minutes, maybe. <laughs> People are driving off the road right now if they're listening to us. And they're Hopefully gone. they're on a road trip, all right? <laughs> oh, we've gotten to Wyoming. <laughs> We're, time to wrap it up. <laughs> and believe me, I think we have just scratched the surface. We could go on another hour or two. This has been fun. I've thoroughly enjoyed this. Oh, it's been great. Our guest, of course, meteorologist Joe Loria here at Fox 4. Look for his new podcast. We think it's going to be called... We think it's going to be called Joe's Weather World. Yeah. And why not? Why you know? not? Yeah. Why not? So look for that at fox4kc.com, uh, the podcast tab, and it'll be there along with Crime Files and, of course, uh, Signal Hill, which we will continue to do here. The podcasts are so much fun. I, I, you I know, like You it. can just talk, just talk. and just It's just conversation, yeah, you know? It really talk. is, and it's been, it's been a lot of fun. So, Joe, thank you very much. Thank you, Nick. I'll be checking out the podcast. All right, folks, go to fox4kc.com and click on the podcast tab to Subscribe to Signal Hill, Joe's Weather World, or Crime Files. We are available on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. And be sure to check out our website for brand new episodes. You'll have to give me that last part because I have no clue about that stuff. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to email it to okay, you when we're done. <laughs> <laughs> for Joe Loria, I'm Nick Vassos. Thanks for listening to Signal Hill.